and welcome to the Hockey Podcast. This is a fan-run podcast about the Chicago Blackhawks. My name is Tyler, and Ollie is not here today, but Nick is still here. We won a game? Yeah, we did. Yeah. And John. How are you doing, John? It was a fun game that we won. <laughs> it was a very fun game. And with that, let's get into some team news looking at what's happened over the last week or so. First thing, this happened before our last recording, and we mentioned it a little bit, but now we got confirmation almost like the day after we recorded. So Jared Tenorti is going to miss some time because of some more problems involving getting hit in the face with pucks. And because of that, the Hawks called up Isaac Phillips, who up this point has now played three NHL games and this season, played three NHL games this season. And it's been up and down, I would say, for him. I would say that his first game was all right. The second game was really good. And the most recent game was really just a rough night for him overall. Yeah, the third game was probably his worst outing in the NHL, but I would say the other two nights were pretty solid. Plus the fact in his first game, he gets a, a, ended up playing quite a bit of ice time because uh, Jake McCabe left the game early with a uh, taking up having to get his eye checked out for the rest of the game. So they relied on the young defenseman and um, Phillips and Mitchell pretty heavily in that first game for Isaac Phillips. Yeah. Um, Isaac's been probably one of the best defensemen in the entire AHO and definitely the best defenseman on the Rockford Ice Hogs. So it's good to see him finding success in the NHL at Mm -hmm. 21, 21. Yeah. He's only 21. Uh, I think the plan for Isaac Phillips, and I hope this is the plan for Isaac Phillips is that he gets a little taste of NHL experiences here, probably plays like five ish games. Tonight was not very good. The game against Carolina did not go very well. It doesn't help you're up against one of the best teams in hockey versus one of the worst teams. So. Absolutely, that's going to be the case. However, I think that it's good for all of our players, all of the young AHL players that we have, mostly really good AHL players, guys like Reichel, Phillips, Vlasic, hopefully, eventually, Galvis, eventually. Um, maybe even Cole Gutman because he's played really well as of late. I like all those guys to get somewhere around five to ten NHL games this year and then see if we can integrate more and more into that going forward. My hope is that this whole Jared Genorti situation and Phillips getting a call up because of the injury doesn't mean that Phillips is going to be up here for a whole month, especially if he's struggling. He should be in the best location for him especially um if you know there's there's people who are able to take those spots or just other ahl defensemen you could rotate into the nhl in other ways i think you said that perfectly tyler so i could not i could not i cannot add to that because you just summed it up all right um, and then the other uh, note in terms of uh, transactions is that um, Arvid Soderblom got sent back down because not just is Peter Morazic back, but now Alex Stalock is back as well. And Alex Stalock has kind of 
quietly been one of the most valuable Blackhawks this year, in a way. Apparently, he's so beloved in the locker room, and he clearly has a good funny side with his game with the fact he stomps on a stick and then kicks I love Staylock for doing that so I'm glad he's back he is a very weird guy but also he's been a pretty good goalie so far It's he missed a lot of time uh, thanks Casey Zizekas but um, you know in the the game he played this week he was good but also like he was probably he was our most effective goalie before that point as well Soderblom really was our best goalie, let's be honest. But Daylock has that, I feel like that gives that the team the momentum to find a way to win because Daylock has the most wins on the team this year. Yeah, and that's crazy considering how much time he missed. Which I guess you would say it's considering the fact that, you know, when he was... Uh, when he was out, the Hawks went on a massive losing streak. Maybe it shouldn't actually be that surprising because I think the Hawks have the Hawks have two wins since the Casey Zizekas collision. Or no, actually they have a couple more than that because, but they have like a very low amount of wins in that time frame, and one of those was Alex Stalock coming back and playing against Columbus on Friday. It's an, it's something to keep an eye out for. Could he be a goalie that ruins our tank? I don't think so. But would we like to see him play more? Yeah, I personally would. Yeah. Be good to get Stalock back for some more games. Um, but with that, let's uh, do a little bit more of a dive into this first game against Nashville. Um, you know, although the result in the end was disappointing, there are good things that we can take from this game. We had a lead. It's something that we really weren't able to say before this. We actually had a lead in a hockey game. It's, that's something new with this organization this year. They had a lead, and then, but they blew it, and they blew it again. Yeah. Aren't we? So that was our only loss with a lead, right? I believe. I think that was our only loss with a lead because, um, one thing that I'll mention now is the fact that the Hawks are undefeated, ha- have not lost a game in regulation when they scored first this year. And that continued. <laughs> Which is kind of crazy, considering everything. But, yeah, no, the Hawks have not lost in regulation in games where they scored first. Granted, they've only scored first six times this year, but still. Jesus. Yeah, no, they are... They're bad. It's ridiculous. They've given up the first goal 26 times out of 33. Yeah, it's bad. Or 27 out of 33. Oh, yeah. 27. It's been terrible. Yeah, no, it's um, it's very, it's difficult. And, you know, in this game, you know, they allowed the first goal, but then they were able to get two back. Good night, I would say, for Connor Murphy, a goal and an assist. Yeah, he scored the first goal, and then he got the assist on the second goal, which was scored by Mackenzie Entwistle, of all people. It feels like Connor Murphy's been struggling a little bit more this year than in years past, and that's obviously understandable. The team's awful, but it's just us. Like, 
it felt like he was always our most he's probably our best defenseman for the most part in the last couple of years this year seems like he's been on and off a lot yeah well, we did get sparks of vintage Patrick Kane in this Nashville game also yeah we did yeah, no, the the Patrick Kane performance against Nashville was, it looked like, I mean, it's hard to describe, I because he was just shooting. He was shooting everything. In this game, Patrick Kane took nine unblocked shots. Seven of them were on goal. And he accumulated off his own stick a total expected goals of 0.71. Frankly, with those numbers, I know that it's technically less than 1xG, but I mean, that's really unlucky for you to take seven shots on goal in a game and not score once. I really don't know how he ended that game with no goals. I don't know either, but let's be honest, that game did spark him for the next. Yes, it did. We'll get to that in a bit. Um, But one thing that was uh, frustrating and would probably be more frustrating if this team was actually competitive in most of their games. Something that I always would say for years, I learned it from my dad for a very, from a very young age, don't give up goals at the end of periods. And the Hawks, with a 2-1 lead, one of their very few leads they've had in the last six-ish weeks, give up a goal to tie the game with five seconds left in the second period. And that right there was a momentum killer that caused what happened in the third. Yep. It was a backbreaker for sure. Uh, the Duchesne goal with five seconds left killed the Hawks with any form of momentum going into the third period. That all shot down, and the momentum went to Nashville to go into the third, where Nashville ultimately destroyed the Hawks in that third period of play. Yeah. If you're playing well... And then you let up that last goal at the end of the period. It could go really well for you, and you just like bounce back the next period, or you fa- you falter, and we faltered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't take much long after that start of the third period to see the momentum change that Nashville now had, because it was less than a minute and a half in where Roman Yossi scored for them, and that was the lead, and they would never relinquish that. Yeah, it was off a backhand goal by Roman Yossi. And that's basically the game in a nutshell with the Chicago Blackhawks this season. Yeah. After that, Thomas Novak got the fourth goal for them, which personally I find funny because he has two career NHL goals and both of them against the Blackhawks. I don't even know what else to say with that. It's a guy that no one heard of until he scores against the Hawks. Yeah, he scored both his career NHL goals against the Blackhawks. Um, He's done... I believe he's been a bit of an ice hogs killer too when he's played for the Admirals. Yeah. Um I think he scored at least one time in that like what was the final score of that game? Like seven to five, I think. Oh goodness. There was a seven five game with Ice Hogs this year. Remember the remember the one I was talking about last time where we went back and forth and then the third period we took oh, over? Yeah. I think he scored in that game a couple times at least. Uh-huh, yeah, so he just likes to score against the Hawks organization in all capacities. Yep, I had, to, I had to talk to him because he was one of the stars, so I had to, like, give him the peanuts. Yeah, and with that, let's head into the next game against Columbus. And oh, This is the fun game. This is the fun game. We can talk about something happy. 
And the first happy thing we can talk about is Alex Stalock is back. Yay, the cheater's back. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this was the Hawks' final game before Christmas, before the Christmas break. And with that, they played against Columbus. This was a home game for them. And man, it was a very good game for the Hawks. Started out early. Hawks getting out to a lead. And of all people, it was Patrick Kane shooting the puck just like he did the night before. But this time, the shot actually squeaked into the back of the net. I don't know how that shot went in. It was really weird. It was a nice steal by Jonathan Taze feeding it over to Patrick Kane, and Kane just ripped it into the net and didn't have much of a celebration, which is not normal for Patrick Kane. But we should mention, it took nearly ten and a half minutes of play for the first shot on goal for either team. It was the start of the tank-offs for sure, but... It takes six minutes for the first team to get a shot, and then takes ten minutes for a goal to happen. Yeah, I don't know what that means. If in terms of like, like what what does that mean, and what does that say about those teams? I would probably say that they those teams, both the Hawks and the Blue Jackets, just struggle to do anything schematically that leads to shot opportunities. And you can see it in some of the other games they have. I mean, we'll talk about the Carolina game later in terms of the uh, lack of shots. But kind of the similar thing. The Hawks just struggling to get shots across the entire game. Not just the beginning, but especially the beginning. Yeah. Tyler, would you like to hear the Columbus defense defensive core that night? <laughs> I, I made a big deal about this on the last show. So yes, go ahead. Um, what's this, this guy's first name? Andrew Peek, um, Averkoff, Adam Boakfast, Erica Branson, um, Bjork. I want to say it, Mar- Marcus Bjork. This must be his first year because he doesn't have a picture. And I don't, I've never heard of this guy. Tim Bernie. Tim Bernie. I will mention that was actually Adam Boakfast's first game back for Columbus after like a very long time of being injured. So. You know, the guy's dealt with the guy has struggled with injuries in a lot of different ways. In Columbus, before Columbus when he was with us, he's just been injury prone for a long time. On a personal level, I really hope that that changes for him because it's getting to a point it's getting to a point now where you got to wonder if he'll ever play a full season. It's very unfortunate because Adam Bokvist is is cool and there's a lot of high hopes for him when we drafted him. Unfortunately, we traded him away. Um, you know, by the halfway mark of the game, the Hawks had a 4-0 lead. Goals from Max Domi, um, Athanasiu, who just finally actually scored a goal, you know, after all those times of just shooting it wide and having weak shots and everything and just being completely unable to finish any chances, he finally got a goal. And Radish scored too. So with Kane, Domi, Athanasiu, and Radish, the Hawks end up with some of their highest ice time players at a 4 nothing lead against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And with that, the Jackets uh, pulled Daniil Tarasov and had to. they ended up bringing in Corpusalo, who was able to finish the game fine, but still it was too late for them at that point. 
Um, everyone's trade value is going up. That's the spirit right there. That is the spirit. Right there. <laughs> and that right there is why I don't enjoy when people are like, ah, the Hawks scored. Ah, this is ruining the tank. It's like, no. We need our players to be playing well and producing goals and stuff. Because we're going to get a first-round pick for both Athanasiu and Max Domi. I don't think you've ever said anything more delusional in your life. <laughs> Tyler, a person, a man can dream. A man, what, what me as a man dream. All right, fair enough. And as I said before, this was Alex Stalock's return to, um, to the Hawks lineup. And in his first game back, um, he only allowed two goals on 29 shots. Really good return for him. Stable goaltending, something that we weren't really seeing with Mrazek. By the end of his time with the NHL team as of late, we really weren't seeing that with Soderblom either. So getting Salak back is big. And it was good to see because he was playing well. And it's good to see that he's uh, still playing as well as he did before he got hurt. Yeah, it was really good to see Salak. And he wanted to get into a fight, clearly. But that was Borchuk's job that night. I do not. I don't like Boris Kachuk. I get take stupid penalties to just go straight back to the box. Yeah, that, that, that was weird. Like, he got out of the box, and then he got into a fight, and then he went back into the box. He's not very good. It just, it, it, nothing, when he's out there, it never looks like anything happens. He was probably the worst part. He was the worst part of the bagel trade. Well, yeah, but obviously he was the least—he was the least interesting part of the trade as well. Truth. And after that, the Hawks uh, won that game. You know, the Blue Jackets made it interesting. They scored two goals back, but before anything could really happen because of it, Jonathan Taze puts in the game to cap it off, and any chance of a Columbus comeback was done at that point. Anyone else feel, because we're the 2022 Chicago Blackhawks, they were going to come back when they were at two goals. Yes. When it was, when it was four to two. Oh, yes. 100% yes. Yeah. I know it's Columbus. I honestly felt that, that was possible regardless. I mean, anything's possible with this team. We're, we're not that good. But yeah, one in one week for the Hawks. They head off to Christmas break. And they come back this Tuesday against the Carolina Hurricanes. And the uh, travel situation was a little bit unique for them. Uh, Nick, you want to talk about what was exactly going on and why they had to get to uh, Carolina so late? Well, so early, you mean? Well, early, but also late in terms of typical scheduling before a game. Yeah. Okay. Since the... NHL has this rule in place. You cannot do any business, including travel, after the Christmas break officially ends December 27th. December 27th was the first day of the NHL coming back after the Christmas break. So, teams like the Hawks, who were on the road, had to travel. And they had to travel the day of the game. The Hawks left Chicago at 6.15 a.m. from O'Hare. 
they didn't arrive into Raleigh, North Carolina until 8.15 a.m. Eastern Time. And the Hawks had a practice at 10 o'clock in the morning with a game starting at 7 o'clock Eastern Time, 6 o'clock Central. So traveling was a disaster. And I think that that, I know this is a bad team, but I also think that this team has usually not been as bad as they were against the Carolina Hurricanes. And I do think that an element of that performance did come from the whole travel situation. Because you look at the travel situation and then you look at how they played tonight, it's not even really worth our time to go through the you know the goals and anything and really discuss it. The Hawks lost three nothing to the Carolina Hurricanes and they got outshot forty nine to twenty four. It was a game of being outclassed, clearly. Mm-hmm. The Carolina Hurricane goalies continue to own us. And this was a former Blackhawk goalie going mm-hmm. for a revenge game, clearly. Yes, it was Antiranta, which of course I found hilarious because the guy who stole his backup job. Uh, Scott Darling was on. Uh, it was in the uh, studio tonight. Yep. And they also showed, um, like the stats for Antiranta and his career against the Hawks. He has like a nine forty five save percentage, and that was before tonight when he got a shutout. But he didn't face a lot of high quality opportunities. No, not at all. But it, I think that after tonight, he would have like a career 950 plus save percentage against the Chicago Blackhawks which were of course his first NHL team. When Jason Dickinson's your leading shot getter I'm sorry, did you say that the leading shot guy for the Hawks tonight was Jason Dickinson? Correct. Oh my goodness. Um, The Athanasiu Dickinson Lafferty line tonight, they were really the only ones who created any semblance of chances. Everyone else was just getting shelled the entire night. Yeah, it was a game of being outclassed in the third line of Jason Dickinson, Sam Lafferty, and Andreas after the CU being the only ones to show up to play. It's not good. And the fact Dickinson led the team in shots tonight, that's not good either. Um, I want to go back to the anti-Ranta thing. Well, I just looked up his stats, and he's in everything. He's had a sub-900 900 save percentage in his last five games. He was not on a good run, but he does have a good career against the Hawks. Right. So, remember how we mentioned earlier, if a goalie's struggling, they want to play us? Well, <laughs> anti-Ranta. You know, um, I'll be honest, as I was watching that game, that thought of you saying that on the pod crossed through my mind. So maybe Anti-Ranta will now turn it around. Goal, struggling goalies do want to play us. And you know what? We'll, we should maybe track Anti-Ranta going forward and see how he does over his next like five games and see if this really was a turning point for him. Do you want to know his lowest save percentage in the last five games that he's played? Is it under like 800? Is 800 against the St. Louis Blues. He allowed three goals on... 15 shots. Oh, that's awful. 800. 800 save percentage. That's a really bad game. His highest was 900 against the 
the Flames. Yeah, no, he uh, he was on a bit of a cold streak, which again, struggling goals want to play us. You guys wish. You know, despite the fact that the Hawks really didn't put up much of a fight in this game, Peter Morazic played rather well despite it. I mean, he allowed three goals on 49 shots against. I know that some of those goals weren't the best, but considering the fact that he was shelled and forced, was uh, shown 49 shots tonight, I would say I thought he played rather well. He played well, but he's still the tank commander. <laughs> he is. He is the tank commander. Uh, Peter Morazic is our tank commander. Charge. With that, let's get into our player of the week for the Hawks over our last three games, Nashville and Columbus and the game against Carolina. Who do you guys have as your player of the week for the Hawks? Nick. Well, kind of difficult with two losses and one win, but I got to give it to number 88, Patrick Kane, just because he had a three-point night the other night against Columbus, and a seven-shot uh, on goal against Nashville, I have to give it to Kaner. Yeah, totally understandable. John? Um, just, I'll give it to Mrazek, just for the simple fact that he played in today's game and faced 49 shots, and he only allowed three goals. Yeah, no, that's... That's good, too. Um, and for me, I will also go with a goalie as well, but I will be going with Alex Stalock. Um, Stalock, to me, uh, he was the goalie in the Hawks' only win this week. Only allowed two goals. Played well in that game. Two goals on 29 shots. Welcome back, Alex Stalock. And uh, hopefully that momentum can be kept moving forward. It would be good to see Alex Stalock be able to play in more and more games. Um, mention though to guys like Taze and Max Domi, who both had three point uh, weeks. Uh, that's good for them. It's noteworthy to also say if Chersley area sits for a thing, Staylock would have one. <laughs> that's that's funny. Um, but with that, we are going to move on from the NHL team, and I want to do a quick mention before we get into the Ice Hogs and World Juniors review of a thing. Uh, the Spangler Cup, which is an international tournament in Switzerland that's going on right now, because there's a bunch of former Hawks I just want to mention. So the Spangler Cup is a tournament in Switzerland hosted by HC Davos, which um, some of you might know is the uh, Switzerland team of Joe Thornton. And others of you probably just never heard of it, but they, they host the tournament and they're in there and it's an invitational tournament every year. And it includes some teams in Europe, but it also has a Team Canada, which is just a group of Canadian players who aren't in the NHL who are brought to play in the Spangler Cup. It's a really big deal in Europe. And the former Hawks, um, there's five former Hawks who are involved in the Spangler Cup. I just want to mention this. So Chris DiDomenico, Brett Connolly, Brendan Perlini, Nicholas Bodan, and Wyatt Kalanick will all be on Team Canada couple other former Hawks and Hogs um, with uh, the, the team uh, Rebro in, uh, in Sweden. Uh, former Ice Hog Philip Holm will be on that team in the Spangler Cup. 
Hawks prospect Michael Crudo is playing for Sparta Prague, along with former Hawks player Michael Kempney. And then for HC Davos, they have three former Hawks, Klaus Dahlbeck, Dennis Rasmussen, and Joachim Nordstrom. Um, it's good to see former Blackhawks having success in other tournaments. Like, they made the team, because not, not everyone... Or not everyone has that honor to make the team. And fun fact, H.E.'s Davos is the former team of Patrick Kane during the Spangler's Cup of 2012. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he played for BLBN during the Swiss League that year, but when he went to the Spangler Cup, he played for Davos. Probably would have played for Team Canada if he was Canadian, but he's American, obviously, so he didn't do that. But he did play in the Spangler Cup, and he is, a I believe, a Spangler Cup champion, you said? He won the Spangler Cup that year. That's cool. Um, and with that, let's move into the Rockford Icehogs report. Big news for the Icehogs. As we've mentioned in the past, I believe, Joey Z uh, did leave the team for some personal reasons about a month, about two months ago. The Hawks have hired a brand new play-by-play guy, uh, Mike Fulta. So... John, I don't think you really know much about Mike Fulta yet. I do not think at all. Okay. So uh, we'll see, you know, more going forward and just see, I'm guessing you'll have opportunities to meet him and see more about what's up there, but we'll see how that's going because it's good that the Ice Hogs were able to get a new full-time announcer because beforehand they were doing, um, I believe it was Gil Brandt who was taking care of that. Yeah. And then, um, I know it's not play-by-play, but radio was my boss, and he did a decent job at it. And I know Joe Brand of WGN Radio also did, and he was doing a good job at it. So they kind of have a revolving door at people announcing games. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it looks like things are starting to calm for the Ice Hogs now. Uh, dealing with the whole replacing Joey Z situation. But it looks good now for them. And let's get on to the games on the ice. And um, so I don't know exactly how to say this, but um, Soderblom did not have a very good week. No, he didn't. I think he still has PTSD from playing with the Blackhawks, to be quite honest with you. (laughs) Now, I will say, I will say in in the Chicago game, he did play, or yeah, he did play pretty well. It was just our offense couldn't do anything. When they could do something, they couldn't score. Yeah, we actually outshot them severely, and we just controlled that third period. But we just couldn't, we just couldn't score. And I don't blame Soderbloom for that. Obviously, he's the goalie. Did the Hawks stunt Soderbloom? Potentially. Yeah, that was something that I was kind of thinking. I I Not would too say happy. it's. I would say that it's too early to say so. I would say it's too early to say that, but I would personally say that I thought that Soderblom should have been sent down two weeks before he did. Oh, I agree. Mm. Now, for how this game went for him, his first game back with the Ice Hogs, I was all ready to watch this game, and then I tuned in, and they were losing like 3 nothing in the first. Yeah, I watched the first two periods of play of this game, and I was like, 
Yeah, I'm turning this off after Sorter Bloom gave up the fifth goal. Yeah, I can tell so... this game was over, and I cannot see more. I cannot deal with more like hockey where my team is getting their butts kicked. It was really weird because he allowed five goals on 12 shots, which is miles worse than anything he ever did when he was in Rockford or in the a- or in the NHL or really anywhere else he's played hockey. This was wildly unprecedented. Well, think for about the game before that night for in Chicago. He allowed seven that night before. He has PTSD, I guys. I have a feeling the Hawks may have dunked him. Yeah, that game against the that game against the Rangers wasn't great. The game against the Texas Stars wasn't great. The Ice Hogs ended up losing six one in the end. Um, Dylan Wells came in, I believe, and did actually oh, kind of Stauber. Stauber. Oh, Stauber came in. Um, St- Jackson Stauber came in that night and actually did rather well. Um, he gave up one goal on eight shots or nine shots. Sorry, he gave up one goal on nine shots. That's not bad. Um, certainly, certainly much better than what Soderblom did. But in that game, you know. Hopefully, going forward, Soderblom is better. Um, only allowing three goals, even if it was on 20 shots, which isn't great in the next game, is gradual improvement. But still, Soderblom's performance in the AHL this year has not been up to his standards. And his performance overall in the NHL towards the end wasn't great either. Um, I will say, for the, the game he gave up three goals, the, the Wolves didn't have possession a lot in that third period. Yeah, the Wolves only had one shot in the third period. They only had one shot in the third period entirely. Yes, and that and that and that one shot was a goal. What? So, like, and it was I don't, the game, win- and it was the game-winning goal. Um, I don't blame Soderblom much for this game. I blame the offense because mm-hmm. we had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen shots on goal in the third period alone couldn't score. Yeah. Uh wasn't the best situation. You know, the night after Soderblom had not a very good game, the Ice Hogs did get a win. Um I don't believe they played a single home game this week. No, they didn't. No, they were they had yeah, they had two games in Texas and then they had a game at the Allstate Arena against the Chicago Wolves. But the second game, Dylan Wells came in and played rather well, only allowing two goals on 29 shots. Um, it was a game where they were losing for a lot of it, but then Reichel scored a late game-tying goal, and then a game winner by David Gust. That David Gust goal was absolutely fantastic. I'm still in awe that he scored that. If you haven't seen the David Gust goal... Go to Bali's Twitter page. Uh, it's chi underscore prospects, and it's absolutely amazing. Um, it was absolutely beautiful that that uh, game-winning goal in overtime. David Gust, absolutely fantastic toe drag goal to win that game in overtime. Um, <laughs> that was unreal. <laughs> I didn't know he had that in him. Well, he is him, so I should have expected <laughs> it. That's good. Um but yeah, Ice Hogs um not the best of weeks. Uh hopefully going forward Arvid Soderblom will be playing a bit better. 
coming up this week, the Ice Hogs play three games. They play uh, Wednesday at home against Grand Rapids, and they play Friday on the road against uh, the Wolves, again, at Allstate Arena. And then Saturday, the next day, they're at the BMO in Rockford. So three Watch games travel. going forward for them. Yeah, not uh, it's some travel, but it's very short travel to go from uh, you know, Chicago to Rockford. It's certainly not like you know, flying uh, in the morning to go from Colorado you know from Chicago, from Chicago to Raleigh, North Carolina. It's certainly much better than that. Um, but with that, let's um, and with that, we are going to take a quick little break. When we come back, we have our friend. Uh, Lammy, who is a Sharks fan and also a Team Canada fan here to discuss both the World Juniors and the Hawks game coming up against the San Jose Sharks. So we will see you with that in a bit. All right, we are back and we have with us a very special guest, a diehard San Jose Sharks fan and Team Canada fan coming to us all the way from Quebec. Please welcome Lammy. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? We are doing. Um, we're doing fine. Um, Team USA won, but the Hawks are not doing a lot of that as of late. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's start with the um, the Hawks versus Sharks preview. So the Hawks will be playing the San Jose Sharks on uh, January first, actually New Year's Day. It'll be a six p.m. start time Central. So, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 Eastern. And, Lammy, I want to start off by saying, how do you think that the Sharks season has gone so far for you? I begin with the season. Uh, a lot of injuries. Um, kind, of, kind of disappointing, though. Uh, I feel like we could have been better. But I'm all in for Connor Bedard to be a shark. Which isn't going to happen. Sorry, but I know you guys. Chicago. <laughs> Sorry, but. You guys have different views. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it's been. It has really been that enjoyable this year. Uh, mainly because of injuries, but mostly just not winning games. At least you have Eric Carlson producing for you. Shocker. <laughs> yeah, no. Eric Carlson has um, turned back the clock and then some. I, I'm excited for that, and I'm enjoying it. Uh, surprisingly, you know, him and Meyer have been really good this year. Uh, Carlson just been one of the best defensemen. Hopefully he wins the Norris. But, I mean, he can't be carrying this team if, you know, they want to win games. Everyone else got to step in and help. Yeah, and with that, um, let's talk about some of the other players who um, are kind of, you know, top performers on the team so far. Um, You've got Timo Meyer, who's playing extremely well this year. Along with him, you have Thomas Hurdle and uh, Logan Couture. You know, the biggest names on the team who are playing really well. Outside of those like big four names, who would you say is like a player to watch in the San Jose Sharks that most other teams and most of their fan bases don't know about but should be talking about more? I will give you a defenseman and a forward. So on defense, 
he kind of just got injured tonight. Uh, so I don't know if he'll be playing, but Matt Benning, really solid defensively. Uh, he, he's been really, really good for this team and, you know, helping in all departments. And then forward, probably Nico Sturm. He, he's been the leader. When the Sharks started off awfully this season, he stepped up, you know, talked with the media about it. He's really been really useful, surprisingly. I think he's having one of his best seasons right now this year in the same role he had last year. So those are the two guys who I'd probably watch out for. Yeah, Nico Sturm. Um, last year he was, I mean, last year he was on the, the cup winning Colorado Avalanche, and then he signed a, a, a very a three-year three-year contract in San Jose. So, you know, it's good experience, uh, good guy to bring into the group, someone who's won a cup. And you have some other guys in the team who've won a cup as well, most specifically um, Nick Benino. No, we don't talk about that one. <laughs> Is he not having the best year? Uh, no, he started off um, really quiet, and then kind of recently he's gotten better. He had like a, I think it was a five or four game goal streak. In the, that was like his first four goals of the year. But he's been decent, somewhat on the penalty kill when he played. Yeah. And then uh, who do you think would probably be the goalie who starts in? I mean, talk about both of them because, you know, either of them could play. Probably. I mean, David Quinn, they can go either way. Uh, but if I had to guess, it'd probably be Reimer. I mean, Kakinen, I mean, he had like one good game this year, really. He hasn't really, you know, been doing good. He hasn't really had a good career anyways. Reimer kind of has been good this year at times. At times, he kind of carried our team a bit. But, I mean, the game we just had tonight versus Vancouver... Kind of iffy. Some some shots he should have saved, but I mean, either either a goalie starts that game, I'll be fine with. Okay, and then um, another guy I want to mention, uh, just because you know, I've as you probably know, my second favorite team is the Leafs. So this guy uh, holds a certain uh, place in my heart. Um, Alexander ah. Barabanov. <laughs> What a what a great trade that was! What a great <laughs> trade. Yeah, he just never he just never did anything with the Leafs, and then um, just because they never gave him any minutes, and then he just goes to the Sharks because he gets real opportunity. I think that if he never got that chance, he would be playing in the KHL right now, just because he never would have gotten his shot. But twenty one points in thirty games for the Sharks, not including tonight, I don't think. But I don't think he did anything tonight, but. I- He's been surprisingly good. Yeah. With with all that said, um, the Sharks obviously not a great team. Um, the Blackhawks this year have been an extremely physical team. They outhit their opponents in the majority of games we played. Win or lose, more often lose. How do the Sharks match up with that? Uh, I mean. I I really don't even know. This team's kind of been all over the place this year with everything. And I mean, sometimes they can be physical, sometimes they're not. They're very inconsistent. So, I mean, 
probably probably will tell a game before how they they might even go into this. Do you think there could be a potential of the Sharks giving up two shorthanded goals this time around because we knew what happened last time the two teams faced? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, I think that's a good question. <laughs> but unfortunately, right now we have the best penalty kill in the league, so anything's possible. Well, yeah, but the penalty killers don't play don't play defense on the power play. <laughs> yeah, the Sharks have the best penalty kill in the league. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I did not expect that. That that's their only good thing this season really to come out of it besides Eric Carlson. And I think last year we were like a top five also. Mm. But like that's actually an interesting matchup. You know, the I mean I would be shocked if the Hawks score a power play goal against the Sharks because our power play the numbers might the numbers might be all right, but if you look at how they've been in like their last twenty games, it's a nightmare. Especially with McKinsey and Whistle on a power play unit, that should never be a thing, and it continues Ooh. to be a thing. I'm sorry to hear that. The Sharks are actually seventeenth. Sharks are seventeenth on the power play. Yeah, are we on the power our, play? Penalty yeah. Kills, our penalty kill is not that great either. Oh, we're twenty eighth. Yeah. It's not very good. No, they could score a power play goal on us. Now you're expecting too much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would would it wouldn't it be me expecting too much of our defense to stop you from scoring a power play goal? You know what? Good point. <laughs> All right. Um, leading up to this game, the Sharks' schedule they have. Um, same similar schedule to what the Blackhawks have. They have they had a game on Tuesday, then they have another game on Thursday, another game on Saturday, which is New Year's Eve, and then they play once again on New Year's Day against the Hawks. Now you guys will be coming into town. Also, I believe the Hawks will be coming into town. You will be in Dallas the night before. We'll be in Columbus the night before. Both teams will be on the second half of a back to back. Hawks will have shorter travel though. They will have shorter travel. Um, Lammy, all things considered, what are your score predictions for the Blackhawks game against the Sharks on New Year's Day, Sunday evening? I don't think it's going to be high scoring. So I'm probably going to say 2-1 Hawks. 2-1 for the Hawks. All right. Um, Nick, what do you got? Predicting a 4-2 Hawks win with two shorthanded goals again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then, um, John, for this game? I have us uh, at a... Let's see. I have us at a 4-3 uh, San Jose Sharks win. Regulation. Okay. All right. Um, and then I will say for this game, I'm going to go with a 2-1 Sharks win in the shootout. What time is the game for the Sharks on New Year's Eve, by the way? They play at 7 at night. Okay, the Hawks play at 12. So yeah, the, the Hawks, Hawks are a noon game, so it'll be even less travel uh, restrictions for them 
the Hawks will probably yeah. just show up back to Chicago by probably six o'clock that same day. Yeah. Also going to give our score predictions for the rest of the week as well. So Nick games against St. Louis and the game is against Columbus, both road games Thursday and Saturday, that Saturday game you said was noon and that is new year's Eve. Nick, what do you got for both those games? Much as I want us to beat the living crap out of St. Louis because I hate St. Louis and screw the blues. Uh, I'm giving St. Louis an overtime win of a 3-2 victory. And then I predict the Hawks to actually beat the Jackets again. Probably have a couple fights after what we saw last game. Uh, We'll see a 3-1 win. And then with the San Jose prediction you got, that would be five points in six games for you? Yeah. And then just in case we don't have a pot out before then, uh, Hawks play Tampa. They'll get steamrolled. <laughs> I'm not even giving a score. They'll just get steamrolled. That's it? Just steamrolled, whatever that score means? Yes, it means they're going to get blown out, probably, uh, let's just say, a 6-1 uh, loss. 6-1 loss. Okay, matching that game against Boston. Yes. All right, uh, John, uh, St. Louis, Columbus, and then Tampa predictions. So St. Louis, I will predict a 3-2 victory, unfortunately, for the St. Louis Blues. And I have a prediction. Jordan Bennington will get will act like a POS at least one time. That's not a prediction. That happens every night. <laughs> Such a clown. <laughs> over under two and a half penalty minutes, Jordan Bennington. <laughs> uh, over. Smash it. Smash it. Yeah, over. go with it. Let's give him a game misconduct, so 10. I'm giving another <laughs> over. A game misconduct for Jordan Bennington. All right, Columbus game, John. Um, I will predict a... 5-2 victory for Columbus, just to do the opposite of what happened last game. Uh, so that you have uh, three straight losses for the Hawks. Yeah. And then that heading into the... Actually, four straight losses for you, including tonight's game against Carolina. That heads into the game against Tampa on the third. What do you got there? Steamrolled, as Nick would say. <laughs> All right. And then for me, I'm going to go with the St. Louis game. I think that'll be like a 4-1 loss with the... With, oh, no, 4-2 with that second goal being an empty netter. Um, Columbus, I'll say that that game is an overtime win, 3-2. Uh, overtime winner, Max Domi. <laughs> and then uh, Tampa, I... This will be the only game in the year where I will actually root for the Hawks to lose because I want a Brandon Hagel hat trick. I think the Hawks <laughs> lose 7 nothing. Jesus. That's not out of the realm of possibilities. It could happen. Let's be honest, the players have revenge games on their docket. They tend to beat us. <laughs> all right. And then with all that, Lammy. The Sharks have three games coming up this week. They have Philly on Thursday. That's a home game. Dallas on Saturday, that is an away game. And then Chicago on Saturday, that's an away game. You already told us what you think for the game against Chicago. What are your predictions for your games against Philly and Dallas? All right, Philly. uh, 
It's going gonna, it's gonna to probably be a close game. Two teams that are just not being good this year. Philly had a hot start. But I'll probably say 3-2 Sharks. All right. And then Dallas, probably 5-2. Dallas uh, Sharks, just not good against teams that are good this year. So <laughs> not, not going to be a fun one. Yeah. And that we head into our world juniors uh preview slash recap so far um because lammy is also our team canada expert yeah um so obviously the hawks um fans are following team canada a lot because there are four hawks players on four hawks prospects on team canada kevin korchinski nolan allen colton dock and ethan del mastro um what stood out to you in that first game for Canada against the Czechs? And um, more importantly, what happened? Well, Sharks prospect Benjamin Goudreau just, you know, kind of didn't have a good game. So I feel like that's pretty much how to sum it up about the game. So you're telling me he's a fraud? No. Yeah, um, that wasn't. I I would certainly say that that wasn't the best uh, performance I ever saw. Kind of embarrassing. Yeah. Um, personally, my favorite player to watch all night was Ethan Del Mastro because he would just steamroll anyone that came in his path. He didn't get a penalty like Zach Dean. Oh yeah, no Zach Dean. That that happened. Um. <laughs> A lot of controversy on that, though. Yeah, I didn't really think it was a major. But IIHF rules, it is. Yeah. Um, Lammy, I also want to ask you, um, what other uh, Sharks prospects are at the World Juniors this year? Uh, so there's Sweden, Philip Bystead, or Bistead, I think it is. Yeah, and that's it. Bistead played well against uh, Austria. I know it's Austria, but he still played really well. Yeah, and I think he had an assist versus uh, Germany. I forget who they played. Yeah, Germany. Yeah, and then um, anyone else? Nope, that's it. You guys only have one prospect at the World Juniors this year. We have two. When we have Gujar, Gujar, Gujar. So we were supposed to have three, but um, he's hurt. For he was Sweden guy uh, Havlid. Oh, Matthias Havlid. He was supposed to make the team, but he. Kind of got hurt and just did not play. Okay. Uh, so I think the one thing with Canada is it seems like they're probably going to be going with Milic going forward. I, I wouldn't hate that. Uh, if Gujo plays the same way he did, if he gets another start, I'm Milic all the way. All right. Um, and I know, obviously, you know, it doesn't, it's not good uh, when you start off the tournament the way that the Canadians did, but. I don't think anyone here has any issues of them, you know, reaching the quarterfinals or anything. Like they're going to be fine with that. There, there's no worries about that. You're not. You don't have any concerns there. They're still going to reach the knockout tournament. I always do find it weird with the World Juniors. I think people overrate the group stage because, like, the most important thing is getting just get into the knockouts, and you know, eighty percent of the teams in the World Juniors get into the knockouts. The thing is, the first team. There has not been a World Junior champion, though, that has lost the first game of the World Junior pl- uh, tournament. Yes. To counteract that point, 
Sweden always has dominant group stage performances. They win the majority of their group matches, and they have two gold medals in the last 40 years. So having a dominant group stage performance doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win at all. It's all about what you do in that quarterfinal game, because that's how you get into the medal round. By the time that we have our next pod, um, obviously, Lammy won't be here, but by the time that we have our next pod, um, the tournament won't be over. But I do want to ask everyone this question. Um, what's your prediction for the winner of the tournament after seeing what's happened so far in these first two days? I still think Canada does end up getting the gold. And then I predict Sweden and Finland to come out with bronze and silver. All right. John, any thoughts? Um, I think Canada will probably win the gold. They're just too good. They have Adam Fantilli. They have um, Connor Bedard. They have Evan Korczynski. They have all these amazing prospects. They're probably going to win the gold and break that streak of what you said earlier that with the whole uh, – Losing their first game. Yeah, losing the first game, never winning the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I kind of feel the same way. Um, watch out for Germany, though. I think that Germany could be a surprise semifinalist. Especially if, especially if Nikita Kwok plays the way that he did today. I don't think that their roster doesn't have a ton of talent, but I do think that Nikita Kwok is a really intriguing goalie prospect who played really well today against Sweden. And I think that if you have him going forward, then he could be um, really impressive. Are you suggesting we uh, draft this kid? Uh, he's already a Carolina oh, prospect. Uh, oh, I see. He was already drafted by Carolina. I thought you were saying that he was coming up in this next draft. No, no, he is. Um, if you want someone coming up in this next draft, the uh, USA goalie is that guy. Is uh, he I him? forgot his name. I wouldn't say that. He is him. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and then, Lammy, what are your... Um, after seeing the first two games of the World Juniors, what are your overall predictions for the tournament? I still think Canada's going to get gold. Uh, wasn't a fun game, but I still think they have a chance at gold, and I want them to win it. Uh, I feel like Sweden's going to get silver. I think, give me give me Czechia for bronze. Mm, Czechia, yeah. Yeah, they're going to, like, upset Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In total, I will say um, Canada for gold. Actually, yeah, I'll, I'll still say Canada for gold. I think that roster just has too much talent and too much NHL experience, too. I mean, between Brant Clark, Shane Wright, Dylan Genther, they brought too many guys who played in the NHL. And if Milich is on his game going forward, then I think that team is still one of the best. Um. Along with that, I will say that Sweden has been the most impressive of the other teams so far, so I will say them for silver. Uh, USA for bronze, and then I'll still I'll take Germany to finish fourth. I think Finland will crash out before. Oh man, but then I'm taking then I'm then I'm not having the Czechs go. Then the Czechs aren't going through. Um no, I'll take I'll take Czechia to finish third and Germany to finish fourth and both Finland and the U.S. will be disappointed again, not reaching the semis. The thing is, the U.S. hasn't had the right roster the last two World Juniors to go for, I feel like. Mm -hmm. I don't think they've had the high-end talent that they... Like, they don't have, like, you know, they had uh, 
Zegris, Turcotte, Kaliev, those three were dynamite in 2021. And I don't know if they have, they haven't had guys quite on that level yet. They have Logan Cooley, who hasn't quite played up to the level that we all know that he, sh- that he is at quite yet. So maybe we'll see them do something. I would love for them to go all the way and win the gold. But right now, I'm just going to say they finish outside of the semifinals. All right. And with that, that is going to wrap up this episode of the Hockey Puck Cast. Tune in next week when we will recap all the Hawks games that have happened up to this point and preview everything going forward, as well as everything involving prospects and the Rockford Ice Hogs. So thank you so much for joining us, Lammy, to help us preview the Sharks and Team Canada going forward. Really good to have you on the show. You're welcome, fellas. All right, and thanks as always for joining us, Nick. Be a clown out there. I love this uh, kachuk. <laughs> and John. Um, Soda Boom will be better, hopefully. I agree. My name is Tyler, this is the Hockey Podcast, and we will see y'all next time. Take care. Music for this podcast was Cool Rock by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Find out more at creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by BY forward slash 4.0.